In today's show, I'm talking once again to Rafael Barlow of the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast, that's the word, about a bunch of NBA Draft prospects. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Yesterday we talked NBA draft prospects with Rafael Barlow of NBA Draft Junkies and the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. And he is back again to talk about more draft prospects. Rafael, welcome back. Glad to be back. Glad to be back. It's always a pleasure. So here we go to talk about another bunch of six players across the NBA draft. But today's episode, I've got to tell you, is brought to you by Michelob Boltra. Only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Raphael, let's start uh, today's show by talking about a guard out of Tennessee, Jaden Springer, who is a guy that um, is, is quite young. Uh, let's let's bring his numbers up on the screen so people can see. He's only 18. He's a six foot four guard. He averaged 12 and a half points per game this season. Um, an interesting player. Only three assists, but hit 57 true shooting, 26 usage, 81 from the line, 1.2 steals. Is he a is he a point guard? Is he a, a combo guard? Like what sort of a, a player are we talking about here with uh, with Springer? That's a good question. That's the question I asked myself when I watched film. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing because I think he plan he can play both positions. I think that his upside as a defender where he'll be able to defend both positions. Um, so yeah, I mean that's a question I don't think anybody knows yet. Or if they, it's it's a, a a question that's based off of opinion. But I think you know a lot of times now uh, in today's NBA, it's not what position do you play, it's what position can you guard. And I think he can guard both positions. He's really young. And, um, you know, we still have a few years before we can kind of put him into a box as a as a one or a two. Yeah, so he's he's 18, but he hasn't turned 19 until September. So we're talking about, you know, just before he'll just turn 19 as the NBA season begins, which is quite young uh, as a prospect. Yeah. Um, a guy, what's the shooting numbers like? Because well, no, I know what the shooting numbers are like, but are they real? 44% from three, but very, very low volume, just 1.8 attempts per game. He, I, I don't buy him as that elite level of shooter, but is there any is there any concerns with the shot that make you think that he can't be at least an above average three-point shooter? I think he can. Um, yeah, the low volume of attempts is somewhat concerning to me. Not Not a big issue, but I felt like he was too unselfish this year and he he looked to get everybody involved or he passed some open looks i would like to have seen him be more selfish in a sense and how often do you say that about a prospect but yeah i mean i think the, the shooting numbers are legit i really do i mean it's a low volume of attempts but i think that um everything looks good i mean he was very efficient from the floor from his shooting splits so i think the numbers are, are real what's what's the downside with springer what's what's the concern with him heading into the draft you know, some people are concerned about his lack of 
burst and speed as far as like, you know, just being able to blow by defenders. I don't really think that he's going to be like this big time offensive player. I see him as a guy that can come in and be a game manager that can knock down open shots and that can defend multiple positions. So I don't really see him as a guy that's just kind of be an engine to a team. In terms of the lack of explosion, um, yeah, I, I do think that's that's a concern as well. But he's a guy that got to the line pretty at, at a pretty good rate, like a forty four percent free throw rate, and he hit those at a pretty high level because he is quite mm-hmm. quite strong and you know, quite is yeah. able to push through contact. But yeah, maybe that finishing um, yeah, through you know, to, to jump up and to get through that contact might be a little bit tough. But he is extraordinarily strong. He finished at the rim at a pretty high rate, in fact, 66%, but there is that concern there. Defensively, on the other side of the ball, is he a um, uh, an issue on that end? Is he very good on that end? Are we talking about a guy that can guard you know, ones, twos, and threes, or is he strictly like a, a one and two type guard? Like, what's his defensive pro- profile look like? Yeah, I think that's that's where he can probably have the biggest impact. Is that on the defensive end? He's, you know, he has the good size to where even at 6'4 or 6'3 or however, he measured off at um, can defend the ones, twos, and then in certain lineups he has the strength to where he can defend threes. And I, I look at like his body type, and maybe like a a bigger Chris Paul in a sense. And I was just watching the game, um, the Clippers Suns game, game three, and um, there were times where Chris Paul was matched up against Paul George, and Paul George couldn't post him up because. You know, I don't know why people still try to post Chris Paul up. He has such a strong, low center of gravity. He's strong. And you're not going to be able to get to your sweet spots on him because of, you know, like his his strong base. And I see Springer as a guy like that also. If you if he gets like a, a mismatch in a sense against a big and a, and, and a bigger wing tries to post him up, he has the strength to be able to switch out and 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 not allow it to be the mismatch that we traditionally think it is if we got like a six eight guy being defended by six three or six four. Is he a lottery pick? I don't think so. No, I don't I don't think so. And you know and it could be if he shot the ball more, if he was more assertive on offense, he could have been a lottery pick. But right now his teammate Keon Johnson is the one whose whose name gets mentioned more in the lottery. And you can really make a case and say that Springer was the better prospect of the two in college. In my first, uh, my very primary or preliminary mock drafts, I did have both of those guys in the lottery, but I did have Keon ahead of Jaden Springer. We'll talk about Keon in a few days' time here on this uh, show. But now it's time for me to tell you that the Michelob Player of the Week, Michelob Ultra Player of the Week, it has to be Jaden Springer. Now, Springer's a guy, again, that that tenacious defense and you know, super strength and, and ability to draw contact. I'm sure that you've created plenty of joy and happiness for Tennessee volunteer fans throughout the season. And with Michael Bolter, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. 2.6 grams of carbs only, 95 calories. Springer was great this year as an extraordinarily young player, and his future's really bright as he looks to be a first-round pick in the NBA draft. Joy creates success, but enjoyment isn't the end game. It is the whole game. The Michelob Ultra Player of the Week is Jaden Springer. Um, Theragun, don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me or someone like Mr. Springer. 
Just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun could help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle muscle tension from working out an injury or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. So try Theragun for 30 days starting at $199, just $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get a Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. Time for us to move on to the next prospect now. And uh, we're going to go deep, just like the Theragun Gen 4. And it is Zaya Williams out of Stanford, a guy who uh, I put him into my mock draft as well. And someone said, if if we pick this guy, I'm going to kill myself. Like, So that's not a uh, it's not a really high uh, recommendation coming for Zaya Williams, who is a... Uh, oh, I'll put his numbers up on the screen here. He's a 6'8". No, no. <laughs> They're not going to look impressive. <laughs> a six, a six eight forward played for Stanford. Had some uh, injury concerns. Had some COVID uh, protocol issues during the season as well. Uh, but yeah, look, that's pretty ugly. Thirty seven percent shooting on twenty six usage. Forty seven true shooting is pretty ugly. He averaged eleven points, four and a half boards, two assists. Um, yeah, how much of Zaire's pro- projected draft? value is based on well he's a athletic wing and maybe this other stuff comes around or, or is it real because the shooting is it's the numbers are pretty bad and his play this year was a pretty poor but he started yeah the season preseason uh at a pretty high ranked player yeah man this is tough because zaire williams made me question the whole draft process as far as do you judge a player by what you saw on the floor in college or do you judge them based off of the hype that they had in high school and on the prep circuit coming into college? If you solely just judge Zaire Williams on what you saw in college, then I don't think he's a first round pick. The numbers weren't good. I know he dealt with some injuries and and Stanford's situation was just weird simply because, you know, they were like a team without a home due to all the COVID restrictions. He didn't get to the free throw line a lot. He settled for a lot of contested jumpers. And just overall, he just wasn't efficient at all. But if you watch his high school tape, he he looked more bouncy, more athletic. And, I mean, he had such a, a high buzz coming into the season that a lot of people thought he was a top 10 pick. Yeah, they did. He was he was pushed right at the top of those uh, those preseason uh, draft boards and uh, fall, fell off pretty considerably. He only played 20 games for the year and he only started 14 of those. I guess an encouraging thing, you said he didn't get to the line much, but he did hit 80% of his free throws. So that's, that's an encouraging part of that game. And maybe that can give us some confidence that some of those other poor shooting numbers, one of those things is an outlier, the 37% from the field or the 80 from the line. So one of those things is... It is not real because they don't normally go together at that level. So you'd hope that he's able to improve the overall shooting. Um, what's he like as a, a creator for others? Can can he be someone who can pass and can find open teammates or is he very basic at that area as well? Well, he shows flashes and upside of being able to do that. And I think that's why he's still getting mid first round looks or you know buzz because of his size he was listed at 6'8 coming into the season. He's reportedly closer to 6'10 now. He does flash um, 
you know, show some signs of being a, a guy that you can run pick and rolls for as the, the pick and roll ball handler and, and some passing ability. And just his shot creation is is what this is probably like the most intriguing thing about his game is, you know, for his size, his ability to create his own shot. And, you know, for guys that can create their own shot, you want them to be able to also make plays for others. So it, it, he's like a really high upside pick. Yeah, and that's the thing. You are you are not looking at production from him because it, it wasn't there. You're you're looking at some of the and you're looking. The shot looks nice. Like yeah, well, this should go in because it starts to look good. And you go well, yeah. There's an ability there to create and create for others and create for himself. And you know the the measurables are all there, but it just hasn't come together at the college mm-hmm. level. So yeah, that, that makes it a risky pick because if you you know, reach and go, well, I don't really know what I'm picking here. Pick number eight, say, and I'm taking upside. And if it works out, I'm a genius. But if it doesn't, then you're in real trouble because you know there might be four or five guys picked after him who turn into legitimate you know starter level NBA players, and, and that is going to be the big concern. Like, where would you feel comfortable taking Williams? At 18 with the Thunder. Okay, so... has a bunch of picks. Houston will be another team that I would, you know, if I'm selecting, I think they're at 23 and 24, where, you know, high risk, high reward pick. Yep, and and that that is the thing, because, look, if you want to have success in the NBA, like getting an athletic wing who can maybe score, maybe create, maybe defend. If all those things come together, then, that, then it's a huge win and like you've set yourself up. So the upside is there. It's not like saying, well, if this center learns how to defend and learns how to shoot, he'll be great. So you go, look, forget about that. I'll pick that at 50. Um, yeah, but a 6'8", 6'9", maybe 6'10", wing who does have ball handling, does have shooting form, does have a you know, defensive ability. Yeah, they're, they're not hard to find. They're not, they're not easy to find those sort of players. And that's where, I guess, the appeal... Of um of Zaya Williams comes despite some of the uh, subpar production. Now this next player who's a very very interesting guy for us to look at because when I, I do I go through and do you know, preliminary fantasy translations on guys based on their stats and uh, this guy's numbers I I, I had to double do a double take excuse me mm-hmm. like what are these guys numbers they were so far ahead of everybody else's and that is Alperen Shengun the center from Besiktas. Over in Turkey, he is 18. He won the Turkish League MVP, I believe, this uh, for this last season. And it's been, I'll, put, I'll put the numbers up on the screen because they're actually pretty insane if you have a look at it. He averaged 19 points with nine rebounds, 1.3 steals, 1.6 blocks. He had a true shooting of 70% on a usage of 27% as an 18-year-old in the Turkish League. His numbers were, they were out of this world, Rafael. Yeah, yeah. And I lived in Turkey for a year, so I'm very familiar with the Turkish Basketball League. And I've been on record of saying that the Turkish Domestic League is the second best domestic league in Europe. The ACB in Spain is the best. But for this guy to win MVP at 18, you can make a case and say he was the best big in Europe. And yeah, the numbers were off the charts. And I I had a chance to watch him play two summers ago at the under 18s. And I thought that he was good. I thought he was a potential NBA prospect, but I did not see that the jump that he made between last season and this season. And I think he solidified himself as a, you know, possibly, possibly a lottery pick. Yeah. I I can see that happening now. He's, People are always going to make the comparison. Okay, Euro center. Is he Nikola Jokic? Is he Christos Porzingis? Is he Yusuf Nurkic? Does he fit any of those molds? Is he you know, offense only, great passer, great shooter, great defender? Like, where, where is he sitting? Because the numbers, look, those numbers are excellent 
in every in every category. But what is he as a player um, to give people a point of reference? All right. So when I say this, you got to take this with a grain of salt. Jokic, who you know was the MVP this year, was not this good at the same stage. That is true. So now that could make some people think like, well, man, then you got to take him in the top five. Jokic's rise is 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 something that's, you know, I mean, that's a whole movie in itself. But Shingun is, I don't know if he, well, he's not Jokic as a passer. And I think that's the, the main thing that makes Jokic special is that you can arguably say he's the best passing big man of all time. So it's it's tough to compare. But as far as like, Old school, wide body, throwback center with good touch and good footwork. They're similar there. I think if he can be somewhere between Jokic and Yusef Nurkic, then, you know, whoever drafts him, that they they won there. So I think that's probably somewhere in the middle between those guys. The key for him is if he can space the floor. If he can space the floor, then he's going to be really, really good. Nurkic doesn't necessarily space the floor. I mean, I'm a Blazers fan, so I would love for him to space the floor. But Nurkic is, you know, a guy that's going to – he's a starter, you know, NBA starter. He's going to make, you know, hundreds of millions in his career. And so I think uh, Shingun could be similar. So he only hit 20% of his threes, but attempted one, under one per game this year, Shingun. But he did get to the line almost seven times per game and hit 79% across all competitions from the free throw line. And as we've mm-hmm. mentioned, he's 63% also from the field. So insane efficiency. And if that can develop into just, yeah, maybe he takes three a game and hits him at 34%, it just it creates that extra little bit in the offense. Now, defensively, and Yusuf Nurkic is a very good defensive big man. Nikola Jokic is not a very good defensive big man. Like, is Shengun got problems on that end? I mean, I think that's probably the the biggest, I guess, div- the, the divisive topic of his game. Can he defend? He he averaged I, I forgot that it was almost like two blocks a game. I mean yeah, he was a yeah, really 1, 1. good 6. shot. Yeah, at one I think at one point in the season he was like twenty ten and two. <laughs> at one point the numbers kind of probably dropped off a little bit, um, just percentage points. But yeah, he was a, a a dominant shot blocker over there, and whether or not he can do that in the NBA if the shot blocking translates, that's the big question. If it does, then you definitely have a top ten pick. So do you think that do you think that he should be a lottery pick, and do you think that he will go in the lottery? Yeah, I have him going to the Spurs at twelve. On okay, my. I had him just outside my first um, the lottery. In my first mock draft, and he's going to be. I'm pretty sure he's going to be in there when I redo it for my second mock draft, which will come in a few days' time. Um, is Shengun a player that? You know, the teams can can build around, or is he just like let's just see what happens here? Like, is he a guy we go okay? Now we have got a guy that we can develop as a center. Yeah, I think it's someone that you see what you got as a center. I mean, I, I think the best fit for him would be Charlotte. That would be my ideal situation for him. I think Charlotte needs a center. I'm tired of seeing Biombo and Cody Zeller at the five. I lived in Charlotte in 2000. The 2013-14 NBA season, I had a friend of mine that played on the team, and Biombo and Zeller were on that team. They were Al Jefferson's backups. It is 2021, and they're still there. Like, just <laughs> move on from them. And I would love to see Shingun there in Charlotte, even though I have Charlotte selecting Kai Jones in, in the draft. I think they'll probably swing for the fences. But 
Shingoon and Charlotte is, is a, a marriage that I love to see happen. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. The NBA, the NHL, and the NHL, by the time you listen to this, the NHL is probably over. But you can get all the latest news, <laughs> odds, and info for all of your sporting needs. And before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website and use our promo code Locked On to sign up today and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online are your online sportsbook experts. RockAuto.com. Yes, RockAuto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. You need, And then you go to the guy at the counter, and he's going to tell you, nah, mate, sorry, it's going to be free for weeks, and we don't even have the part that you can get. No, well, why worry about that nonsense? Just get to your computer, go to RockAuto.com, find the part that you need, and save some money in the process. Why would you spend up to 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years and those parts are always reliably low for every customer. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. The next guy on our list of prospects to talk about is a player that you have mentioned before on the show, and that is Corey Kispert, a guy that when we look at the raw numbers, and I will give you the raw numbers up on the screen now, Kispert averaged 19 points per game as a senior. Now, he is uh, not young. He is 22 years of age. He averaged 19 points, but he hit 44% of his threes on six and a half attempts per game. He was at 53% from the field overall. He hit uh, 88% of his free throws. So it's safe to say he's a really, really good shooter. Um, but under five rebounds, under two assists, under a steal per game. Is this the typical, hey, I am a really good shooter but can't do anything else sort of a player? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I guess you can say that. But he shoots the ball so well, it makes up for what he doesn't do well and he has a defined position a defined role and shooting is, is such a a demand in today's nba that i think that um you know whatever he doesn't do well he like i say he, he makes up for it with his shooting efficiency he is yeah is he the best shooter in this draft class do you think I know you said yeah, yeah, on yesterday's show that, that Cade could become that best shooter because of his ability to, you know, on pull-ups. But at this point, if you had to put your, your money on it, would it be Kispert who enters the league as the best shooter? Oh, man, it's a tough question because, you know, when I when I factor in shooting, I factor in guys that are shot creators, like yep. the guys that are three-point shot creators, like your Kate Cunninghams, your um, Trey Manns. So I think as far as like standstill shooter and guy that's going to have the best shooting percentage from deep, I would go with Kispert. But as far as guys that are, you know, if you factor in, like I say, the three-point shot creating off the dribble, then no. But traditional shooter, yes. So he's a guy that's you know, started for three years in college. He hit 44% of his threes the last two seasons, but was really able to up his um, up his volume this year, went from a 14-point scorer to a 19-point scorer. How much of what Kispert has done, especially these last two years, is just a factor of him being older and more experienced in college? We very rarely see these 22-year-olds, you know, 
work out well these guys who dominated in college you know they don't become stars you Doug McDermott's Jimmer Fredettes those sort of guys even to an extent Buddy Heald who really you know, took over as a uh, as a senior who's been uh, fine in the NBA but not really a guy that, that was worth you know picking at number six overall in the draft so you know, Kispert if he's a guy that's is he a, a lottery talent is that is he too old for that like where does he realistically get better from here as well I mean, I think he gets selected in the lottery. On my last mock, I have him falling out of the lottery. I had him falling to Memphis, which, I mean, imagine if you got Ja Morant on the floor with Bain and Kispert on on, on the wings, how much space that would create for Ja. But I, I think that he could go in the lottery. I mean, I think Indiana could select him at 13. I think Golden State could take a long, hard look at him. Simply because for, for Golden State, I mean, they're a team that is looking to win now. They may not be looking for developmental projects or, or players that they're going to have to give developmental minutes minutes to and he would be a, a really good fit there i mean you know you you give them another shooter on the floor with steph and clay that makes them a little bit more dangerous than what they already are not going to replace durant but at the same time i mean you you, you give them a floor spacer then uh it, it makes life easy for everyone but uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that if he if he is Buddy Hield, then then I mean, it's worth picking him in the lottery if he has a Buddy Hield type career. Interesting player. Like these guys stereotypically are quite poor defensively. JJ Redick, Kyle Korver, those sort of guys, they can get picked on. Um at that end, is he a bad defender? Is he can he hold up more than those, you know, stereotypical forty four percent white guy three point shooters? You know, it's funny. I thought J.J. Redick was an underrated defender. I remember some series where he defended James Harden one-on-one. And that, he, that is fair. He made him work. <laughs> so I feel like, the, you know, there's a stereotype of white shooter, unathletic, poor defender. And, I mean, there's some guys that, you know, they, they fit that description. But I think um, I think Kispert is a better defender than what a lot of people will give him credit for. He has the size and strength to to be a solid defender. He's not a bad athlete. His athleticism, I think, is, is underrated at this point. He's just kind of put into a box as a shooter. So, no, I don't think he'll be, like, a great defender, but I, I don't even know if he'll be a plus defender, but I think he can be an average defender. Let's go on to our next prospect, one of the last couple we're going to cover today. And this is a guy who, uh, again, looking at if you look at the box score numbers of this guy, that's uh, it's pretty impressive. And that's Cam Thomas out of LSU, a 19-year-old six-foot-three guard who averaged 23 points per game. He hit over two threes per game. He had a 32% usage with a 55 true shooting. That is a phenomenal scoring record as a freshman. Um, but I guess... The concern is, is that level of usage, scoring, efficiency, is it at all translatable? Was he just carrying LSU um, by taking every shot? Were, was it some poor shots? Actually, he hit 41% overall and 33% from three. Is it just absolute bludgeoning with volume and you're know, taking <laughs> poor shots? Like that 23 points, go, oh, okay, I've got to pay attention here. But the other numbers make me go, well, maybe I need to pay a little bit more attention to why this was happening. Oh, man, this is... This is one of these guys that he's so divisive. Like I've seen some people have him as a late first round pick and some people are just do not like him at all. And I I think that his game is an acquired taste. One, he is a relentless, unapologetic gunner. If he gets the ball, it is going up. It's a 
I mean, so we're talking shots. like a Jordan Clarkson, Jordan Crawford type. I, I'm taking every shot that's anytime I touch it, it's going up. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? I'm a, Jordan Crawford is one of my favorite players to watch. He is <laughs> he is fun to watch. Nobody can guard him. Like if you get a chance to watch him play pickup and you don't know basketball, you would think that he's a NBA All Star. But his game is only suited to be the man. His game is not suited to be a complimentary piece. Uh, Cam Thomas is, <laughs> I think they're different, but Cam Thomas is a a, a gunner. Man, what, his stats are weird to me. So I, I know it wasn't on your graphic. He shot seven threes a game. Yep. But he also went to the free throw line seven times per game. Like, I cannot think of another prospect outside of, you know, maybe like a James Harden someone like that that has those type of splits maybe trey young but those guys are primary ball handlers this guy wasn't even a primary ball handler he got seven threes a game but also got to the line seven times a game very weird prospect like i said the ball doesn't move once he gets it it's it's going up he can get hot and reel off eight in a row or he can miss 10 in a row um I project him like most people as this instant offense guy that comes in off the bench and he's letting it fly as soon as he gets in. And uh, he's going to put tremendous pressure on defenses because you can't relax on him. He's, he's the toughest guy to guard because he does not, <laughs> he's cause he could come down and shoot it every single time. But I, I think that's his role in the NBA. And it, it's weird because he's more of a scorer than shooter. Right. And most guys you feel like are these microwave scores are like really good shot creators or fancy, like dancey off the dribble. But most of his shots are, are going to be jump shots. But then again, like I say, he still gets to the line seven times a game. Like it, it is one of the most weirdest prospects I've seen. Is um, is he a draftable player? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he is, at least in my in my book. Some people don't think he is because I mean, he averaged 23 a game and at the most I've seen him or the highest I've seen him is like very late first round. And we don't really see freshmen average 20 a game in a power five conference. And they're not like, you know, a, a, a top 10 pick. I'll leave you with this number. He attempted 500 field goals for the season and had 42 assists. So yeah, the, uh, yeah. the assists to shot attempt ratio is uh, is not particularly high. For Cam Thomas. <laughs> now, the last guy we're going to talk about here is Greg Brown the third, a wing yeah. out of Texas who um, he played twenty minutes a game as a starter, averaged under ten points. I'll just chuck those numbers up on the screen for people to have a look at. The shooting numbers are a little bit disappointing: forty-two from the field, thirty-three from three, seventy-one from the line. But as a six-nine know, small forward, power forward type player, he did average uh, over six rebounds. He blocked a shot as well. As a as a wing player, that's you know, yeah, a pretty impressive number. But we talk about lack of assists. This guy had ten assists for the season. Like this is uh, not someone who's moving the ball particularly well. Um, probably more of a second round prospect, I, w- I would guess, than a first round guy. But still, yeah, wings are always going to get a level of intrigue. So what you know, what's the what's the encapsulation of Greg Brown as a player? First of all, that graphic is hilarious. <laughs> that graphic is so fitting of. His season at Texas, he was another player that was highly regarded coming out of high school. Five-star prospect. A lot of people thought he was going to be a, a lottery pick. I don't even know if he's a wing, to be honest with you. Like, I don't see any wing skills. 
from him. The the athleticism is off the charts. I mean, maybe before Keon Johnson tested out with a 48-inch vertical, I would have said Greg Brown was the best athlete in this draft. But he is a, you know, just a pogo stick, quick twitch, bouncy athlete. And that's really all he brings to the table right now is athleticism. I think he's raw. I still think he gets selected in the first round. I thought he did himself well in Chicago after pre-draft camp. But in my opinion, he's going to need some time. So I have him actually going to Houston with the 24th pick. And I figure if he goes to a team like Houston or maybe Oklahoma City, there's no pressure. They can develop him long term. If he goes to Houston, you can play him with RGV, let him play the whole season and develop because to me, he doesn't really have anything that he brings to the table outside of athleticism. And I think even with his motor, it just kind of was up and down this year. Like in high school, I I saw him play live in high school and man, he was all over the floor. I mean, he was blocking shots. He was, he was just a, a, a matchup nightmare because of his athleticism, his size and and his energy. Didn't necessarily see all that in Texas. I think at, at, at one to, well, to be honest with you, I felt like Kai Jones should have been playing ahead of him or more minutes, but Brown was the highly regarded prospect. And so it was maybe a little bit of politics there in a sense. I thought Texas was better with, with Kai Jones on the floor, which is just just my opinion. That could be debatable. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't really see what he does on offense other than kind of like hustle plays. But he's not a, a – he's a, I think he's a four – He's not really a pick and roll guy, you know, so he has to develop something on the offensive end. What you're describing to me sounds like Derek Jones Jr. Derek Jones Jr. Yeah, that's I think he has a little bit more upside than Derek Jones Jr. He's bigger than Jones Jr. because I think Derek Jones Jr. is like six, 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 seven, I'd say. Long arms. But yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that they're very, very similar. Maybe Greg Brown could be a, a better rim protector shot blocker than um the Derek Jones Jr. But yeah, I think that's and I'm a Blazers fan, so I was disappointed on Derek Jones Jr. this year because he wasn't a plus on the offensive end. I mean he had some some good games, but you know, Brown is gonna be criticized a lot more because Derek Jones Jr. is a guy that kinda I don't think he was drafted no. and worked his way up. So he's gonna be seen as a guy that overachieved. While if Brown is the same player, it's it's gonna be viewed at as totally different. Well, let's see how this all works out for these prospects. That's 12 prospects we've covered in the last two days here at Raphael. Again, you you did it yesterday, but give us another plug of where people can find your work, your YouTube channel, and and all the stuff that you do, and they can go check out your uh, audacious goal to have 100 prospect videos uh, by the NBA draft time. Yeah, you can find me at uh, Locked On NBA Draft every Monday and Thursday. My website is nbadraftjunkies.com. And if you just type in NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube, you'll see all the videos that I'm putting out. Yeah, my goal is 100 prospect videos between now or well, until the draft starts. So looking at my board, I got 80. I, um, I have 87 left, but that that that's a, a different goal. So, I mean, that's just total videos that I want to put out before now in the draft. So, oh, man. Wish me luck. But yeah, that's that's where you can find me at. Good luck, Raphael. Go and check out NBA Draft Junkies. Check out the Locked On NBA Draft podcast as well. And uh, Raphael, I thank you for uh, thank you for coming on and uh, and discussing these draft prospects with me. 
any anytime you want me. Anytime you want me to come on, I'm, I'm available. Absolutely. We might be getting you back in a, in a week or so's time to talk talk a little bit more NBA draft. But guys, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and on YouTube. You know what to do. Subscribe. Flick me on the little bell. Give me a thumb right up the middle and uh, leave a comment down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. See ya.